Do I need to slow down or speed up? Can I talk really fast and you keep up with me no matter what I say, no matter how fast I go, no matter what happens? Oh, okay. All right, good. <laughs> That's good. Well, it's good to have all of you worshiping with us today. This is our last chapel of the semester, and I just want to just give God praise um, for just really assembling a chapel calendar of guest speakers that have just been phenomenal. And uh, I've really been blessed uh, by our chapel speakers. And I spend quite a bit of time, there's not a day that goes by that I'm not praying, Lord, help please prepare the chapel calendar for us. So I've been praying for our spring chapels uh, for several months and play, prayed for several months for the, faculty, for the fall semester as well. So I just want to highlight some of the things that have been shared this semester and then we'll go to the Lord's table together and then we'll close with a hymn at the end of chapel today. But the text today is found in 1 Thessalonians 3, 9 to 13. This is actually Actually, the gospel, uh, the the uh, lesson for this upcoming first Sunday in Advent from First Thessalonians three nine through thirteen, and uh, it's a letter to the church in Thessalonica to the Thessalonians who have come to know Christ already as their Lord and Savior. Uh, they have accepted Christ. They've accepted the gospel, and it was a real and genuine conversion to follow Christ, even though they are now experiencing persecution. They are still standing firm in their faith, even though they're facing incredible challenges. And so Paul, uh, Paul writes this letter to them to encourage them and, and strengthen them in their faith. And he talks about how I hope to be with you again so I can, so I can continue to, to disciple you, so I continue to invest in your life. Because what you're doing and the way that you are standing firm in your faith is so encouraging and so inspiring. And so in this, really in the middle of the letter, it breaks out into this song of praise. It's almost like a closing prayer for them, but yet it's in the, in the middle of the book. And it's this prayer that they grow in holiness as they wait for Christ's return. And so as we move into the first Sunday of Advent, and many of your churches will light that first uh, Advent candle, and as you get closer to Christmas Sunday, the light will grow brighter and brighter until the Christ candle is lit on Christmas Eve. So as we wait for the Advent of Christ, uh, He is praising them and thanking them for standing firm in their faith and wants to invest in their lives more and more. And He calls them to this life of holiness. Live a holy life until Christ's return. So I'm going to jump in a little bit in verse, when I read verses 9 through 13. Verse 9, How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we feel before our God because of you? And as I was reading and preparing that, I think I can say on behalf of faculty and staff, we want to, we want to say that to you, the student body. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we feel before our God because of you? I really believe that I can say that on behalf of faculty and staff. You bring us great joy. Some of you drive us crazy from time to time, but that doesn't mean we don't love you. (laughs) It is great joy and great blessing for us to be in your lives and that God's blessed us to just be with you even for a few short years, whether it's faculty or staff, coaches, whoever it may be. It's a blessing for us, and I want to thank you for that. It brings us great joy. As I started thinking, what are the things of joy that have really, what has really brought me joy this semester? One example that uh, I'd like to just give a, a word to is when I went, we went up to Gordon to see the women's soccer game at the close of that heartbreaking loss, and they did so well, and they had such a great season. As I was standing there, I noticed the two teams gathered together and linked arm in arm in a big circle and prayed together. And there, it was just for me, maybe because I'm the dorky chaplain, I don't know, but I was really blessed by that, to see that and witness that. And I was reminded, and as I think of this first, it brought me great joy to see that. And I shared that as I spoke at chapel uh, at Gordon on, on Monday, shared that same example. There's just so many wonderful examples you set for us where we learn from you. And so I want to thank you uh, for allowing us to be in your lives. Verse 10, night and day we pray most earnestly for you. 
I think I can say that too on behalf of our community. We do pray most earnestly. And Paul goes on to say that we may see you face to face and restore whatever is lacking in your faith. So he's writing this letter, but he's saying, I hope that my investment in your life will strengthen you and bless you and increase and strengthen your faith. Again, our prayer for you. He goes on to say, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. That'd be a wonderful mission statement, if you will. A a wonderful call upon all of us as Christians that as we invest in each other's lives, may our investment create in you a love for one another and a love for all. Just as we abound in love for you. Verse 13. And may he so strengthen your hearts in holiness. Strengthen your hearts in holiness that you may be blameless before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, your word has been spoken. We have... Uh, We have lifted our voices in song to you. We have lifted our voices in prayer to you. And now we just humbly remember and submit to your word and to your teaching and to the servants that you've blessed us with this semester that have came here and shared with us uh, your word and your story. And I pray that we are better because of it. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. And amen. So you may remember one of the first chapels of the semester, President McGee spoke, and, and we talked a lot in that, chapel semester, in that chapel service about your academic journey is an act of worship. It's not just in this chapel that you are worshiping, but as you leave and go your separate ways into the classroom, that too is an act of worship. So that's why we start the chapels that way, to remember God has entrusted you with this opportunity to earn a college education, and it's an act of worship, and we want you to be good stewards of that. And we always start that way. And then the, the next chapel, the next guest speaker we had was Zenzo Matoga in United Night of Worship. And for many of you, that was the first time you offered up a jump offering. Uh, a jump offering was very new to some of you. And, you know, it's awkward when the chapel speakers or the guest worship leaders say, do a jump offering. And then I feel like I, I am required uh, by my position uh, to do a jump offering. And so I did that. And many of you have made fun of me this entire semester. While I was worshiping God in that jump offering, uh, you seem to make fun of me and I've seen Facebook statuses about it. So I pray for you as you make fun of me as I was offering up to God a jump of praise, I guess. Jump of praise. But United, yeah, exactly. United Night of Worship always blesses us as they start the semester and they'll help us in the spring semester as we get started as well. And then one of our favorite speakers, she comes off and is Dr. Josie Owens, came and spoke from Joshua chapter 3, just before they crossed into the Jordan. And she made several beautiful points, and one was that they camped there. And she used that passage of Scripture, she used that verse, that sometimes God causes us to pause. Causes us to just pause before He calls us to, to a great task or to a great journey, that we are also called to pause and reflect and pray and worship. And in many respects, that's what chapel is here at Eastern Nazarene College. You have classes, and you have friendships, and relationships, and you have games, and you have practices. Very busy things that God has called you to. And yet we gather together as a community to pause, and worship, and remember that we are people of God, and that we are dependent upon Him. Whatever journey He calls us to, whatever road He calls us to walk, they camped there. And Dr. Owen says, hit the pause button. Don't panic. God is in control. Our next guest speaker, it's interesting, actually, as I was preparing this and listening to their sermons again, that next we had uh, a message from Larry Kim, a powerful, powerful story. And I didn't even know he was going to share his personal story, how I believe it was two months into his wife's pregnancy, they found, that the, found out that the child would not live more than a couple of hours after it was born. 
two months into the pregnancy. Physicians and others encouraged them, encouraged her to abort the child, and they prayerfully went to the Lord and, and considered that and reflected upon that, but decided to carry the baby to term. And he shared that agonizing journey. And it's interesting that Dr. Owens talked before you cross the Jordan. We pause and worship to prepare for what God has called us to. And then we hear Pastor Kim's story of this incredible, painful journey. And he spoke from Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41, where Jesus was in the midst of the storm. And the disciples felt like, Jesus, don't you even care for us that we're in the midst of this storm? And, And Pastor Kim could testify to the fact that Jesus was with them in the storm. And though there were difficult days and Difficult, difficult nights and sleepless nights. And he talked about how the child lived more than four days. It lived uh, uh, four hours. It lived four days. So they didn't get any sleep and just, just held, held their child. And so you have this pastor, this brother of Christ that stands before you that I can testify to the fact that Jesus will not leave you or forsake you in the midst of the storm. It's a powerful, powerful message. Then Ben Zobris from the Tampa Bay Rays joined us. And I don't know if you noticed, I think some of the baseball team noticed that after he was with us, he did exceptionally well the rest of the season. His batting average almost uh, went up 100 points, at least in that that four-week period. And I know he challenged many of you. And so we have pastors and we have district superintendents and we have worship leaders. And then we have even Major League Baseball players that stand before you and say, I follow Christ Jesus. That give testimony to the fact that I follow Christ Jesus. Jesus, and may they be an encouragement to you and a reminder to you of the story of God unfolding in our lives, whether it's the story of God unfolding through the life of a pastor, the story of God unfolding in the life of worship leaders and what United Night of Worship is doing throughout Boston, or even a major league baseball player that makes over $10 million a year. God is still in their lives as well, and his story is unfolding. Let it be an encouragement and a reminder to you. Then Brian Postalweight from Mission Impossible was here that week. And so we went from a, a major league baseball player to a faithful minister of the gospel who was caring for the poor and the homeless in Vancouver. I believe Brian shared some of this, uh, but going from his testimony and his story that's on the website, since birth, Brian has struggled with a slow-growing tumor, leaving with an impressionable facial difference. He uses his own experience as a reminder that beyond first impressions, People often have hidden abilities, capacities, talents, and gifts to offer the world. They just need someone to give them an opportunity to support and encourage them and let them shine. And so that is why Mission Possible exists, to create jobs and employment for homeless or those in poverty so that they earn a paycheck and and dignity and, and help them break out of cycles that they may be caught in. It is a very challenging thing to be engaged in and As I was listening to uh, Pastor Postlewaite's message, he said this, the best change happens from the bottom up and the inside out. He talked from John 15, 9, remain in my love and to love others and care for others, even though your first impression of them may be cause for you to dismiss them. That is not of Christ. That is not of the love of God. And so he created Mission Possible. The other reason I invited Brian Postalway, Pastor Postalway, to be here is to challenge you or some of you to work with him for the summer. If any of you would like to work with Mission Possible, please let us know. I think we have the web address available to you. But they're looking for interns that would like to go and spend the summer in Vancouver or a semester and work for the homeless and help create jobs and employment. Next, we had Fall Revival with Dr. Tillman, and he spoke from Judges chapter 14 that first day and talked about Samson. And the title of his message was Bitter Made Sweet. 
that as Samson killed the lion and he walked by it a few days later, he noticed that there was honey in it and he grabbed the honey out of it and that God can take challenges and battles in our life and he can bring sweetness out of it. Even though in the midst of it, it may be bitter. Even though in the midst it may be painful, God can bring sweetness even out of the pain that we go through. Pastor Aaron Cavan came uh, for a local minister here in Quincy, and I know many of you uh, attend that church. He did a phenomenal job. I love his preaching. And one of the challenges about hearing all these great preachers that we have from the Boston area come in is that I then want to go and sit and hear, their, hear them preach regularly. I love my own church. I love my local church. I love my pastor, but I do want to visit some of these churches. But he spoke from Acts chapter 3. He actually preached from the entire Bible in like 30 minutes. I don't know if you noticed, but he took us from Genesis to Revelation uh, very fast. How am I doing okay, Jacob? Are you going too fast? Okay, good. Just check. I forgot you were there, to be honest. I forgot. So <laughs> He took us from Genesis to Revelation and focused on Acts 3, how God is redeeming all of humanity through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And we are part of that story. We are part of God's story. You are part of God's story. He is not part of ours. We are part of His And God's story is unfolding in your life in the same way it's unfolding in the testimonies that you're hearing, whether through these pastors or Major League Baseball players, it's unfolding. Or the stories you hear from the artist, Stephanie London shared. and She was here a few years ago, and and when she spoke, many of you weren't here, and I don't think we shared the story in chapel, but I know some faculty were here that day, and remember that when she was speaking, there was a student sitting in the front row, Abraham Gutierrez. As she was speaking about healing, Abraham went went unconscious and just passed out while he was sitting there. And he was sweating profusely, and, and we could not wake him up. And so that was the first time. The seminary doesn't train you for this, but I, I stopped her from speaking and said, we need to just pause, and um, we need to call an ambulance. And I'm telling you, the, the, the chapel was never so quiet in all my years of being here. And we couldn't wake Abraham up. And he was uh, just laying there and still sweating profusely. And literally for 20 minutes, it had to be at least 15 minutes. I'm not exaggerating. The way that I know I'm not exaggerating, even though I may have lost track of time, is that he didn't start responding until the ambulance showed up. So unless the Quincy ambulance can show up in 90 seconds, which I don't think is possible, he was certainly unconscious for quite some time. And Stephanie stopped and prayed. and, um, and, uh, And he eventually woke up and eventually stood and walked out of the sanctuary and we gave God praise. It was a memorable memorable chapel service. But I wanted Stephanie to come back and share her story again with you who hadn't heard her testimony, who fell from five stories in New York and lived and survived. And she said, as much as healing I had to go through from falling five stories in my New York apartment building, as much as the physical healing I had to go through and loss of sight and one eye and the several surgeries and, and on and on, the real thing that I was struggling from was a broken heart. And she wanted you to know that more important than physical healing or any other type of healing, that God wants to heal your heart. That no matter what trauma you go through, no matter what brokenness and pain you go through, God can heal your heart. In the afternoon session, she talked more about that in the Q&A and why she's helping women caught in human trafficking and sex trafficking and why she donates all her money that she receives from her art to help these agencies so they don't have to fundraise. She wants to fundraise for them so so they can focus on helping these women. And she talked about that. She says, I think I have a passion for these women because I can't imagine what they've gone through, but I have been through trauma. I have been through a very traumatic experience. And she talked about how a year or two after that accident, she couldn't even watch football, and she loves football so much she couldn't watch it because to watch the players impact one another or hit one another, it hurt me to even watch it because my trauma had to deal with a very strong and powerful impact. 
And she went on to say, so the women that have been through this trauma, I want to help them as they recover and heal in any way that I can. A beautiful story of God unfolding in her life, even though it dealt with this very significant, horrible accident and trauma in her life. Homecoming Chapel, you had faculty members sit before you and tell some stories. And uh, I actually, I need to be honest with you. I know uh, Dr. Lanham's here. I I know Dr. Yerkes is at his Boston office today. Uh, But they wanted to share some stories that were just inappropriate for chapel. I just need to be honest right now. I don't know what was going on back at ENC back in the day. uh, But I was troubled. I was deeply concerned as chaplain. I say, no, uh, Dr. Lanham, you can't share that story. That's completely inappropriate. But you can, you can talk to her about that a little later. But uh, she talked about God's faithfulness in their lives and, and what God has done through them through ENC. And I hope ENC can be a blessing to you as well. Then we had an ultimate fighter, Shamar Bailey. How many of you remember Shamar? Um, if he would have got difficult in that interview, I'm not going to lie, I was going to take him out. I was going to say, listen, Shamar, uh, don't, I'm on day 40 of insanity and Shanti... <laughs> Uh, Sean T. has taught me uh, how to do uh, sit-ups, and so uh, I'm going to take you down uh, right now. But Shamar talked about how he uses his gifts, how he uses the gifts God has given him to knock people out. There you go. I don't know. It may not be for you, but uh, he talked about how he, he uses the gift of wrestling, and he was a, a, a wrestler in college, and, and that he feels these are gifts that God has given him. But I'll never also forget his conversion story. Do you remember where he was when he accepted Jesus? Anyone remember? On the toilet. Four years old on the toilet and accepted Jesus. A wonderful testimony. The story of God is unfolding in his life. I could take him. I'm kidding. Dr. Daisy Dowell came and shared. And she talked about how God can heal and save. And she talked about this incredible work at Lawndale. And what amazed me about this incredible story, this incredible journey she's been on. And if you are not here for her story, if you are not here for her message, please go on our website and listen. It is a powerful, powerful story. Uh, Basically abandoned as a child and raised herself and even family members trying to take advantage and exploit and even sell her. And this wonderful testimony of God. And yet her text is from Luke 12, and this is what she focused on. She shares her story, and then this is what she focused on. To whom much is given, much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. And so she shares her story and still stands before you and tells that the story of God in my life is about blessing me and giving me so much. She challenged you to be a vessel that honors God and that vessels of God sometimes have to go through the fire. But when God calls you to go through the fire, know that he is preparing you for his work and for his kingdom. Powerful story. Dr. LaFountain spoke in chapel, brought in weights, a calculator. I don't even know all the stuff he brought in. It took like a moving company to bring all the the things he wanted to illustrate. And you notice my brute power lifting the weights there at the end of that chapel message. If God were to make a promise to you, he asked at the beginning. If God were to make you a promise, he challenged you, would you believe it? Would you believe if God made a promise to you, would you believe it? We then looked at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1-11, through 11, where we read, His divine power gives us everything we need for living a godly life. So no matter what trials you may go through, no matter what trauma you may experience, no matter whatever battles you may face, we see in God's Word that He promises us to give everything we need to live a godly life. Do you believe that? 
Will you claim that by the power of the Holy Spirit? Will you, will you believe in that and live into that, that God can give you the power to live a godly life? Whether you experience trauma or pain or mourning or grief, whether God calls you to great success financially, whether a major league baseball player or, or, or an artist, or whether there are days of pain, and sorry, do you believe that God can give you the power in the midst of even those days to live a godly life? Finally, Dr. Roberto Miranda was our guest earlier this week. As he reminded us of this message of unity, of being one, and not to water down the gospel, not to water down the Christian message of what it means to be a believer and a follower. Another great minister here in the Boston area that has blessed us. So have you noticed our theme has been one all semester and all year coming from Ephesians 4. And at the beginning of the semester, I challenge you as we read that text, it says God is over all and in all and through all. And if God is over all and in all and through all, through all that means he is in every culture. That means he is in every church that proclaims his name as Lord and Savior. God is over all and in all and through all. And that is what makes us one. Not necessarily speaking the same language or singing the same songs or being from the same communities or same parts of the world. That is not what makes us one. What makes us one is that God is over all and in all and through all. That is what makes us one in Christ Jesus. So we bring in speakers from different backgrounds, from different churches, from different denominations, from different stories and different experiences where they share with you the story of God unfolding in their life and give praise and honor to Jesus Christ, who has not left them, who has not forsaken them. Do you believe the promises of God? That he can give you the power to live a godly and holy life. Have you turned to him? Have you accepted him as Lord and Savior of of your life? Have you say, Lord, come into my heart, come into my life. I repent of my sins. And you're going to have an opportunity to do that because we believe here at Eastern Nazarene College that as we go to the Lord's table and as the elements are passed out and you'll hold in your hand a a little cup and a little wafer and, and you'll hold those and we'll take them together. We believe that as you receive symbols of the body and blood of Christ, that can be your moment where you say, yes, I will follow you, Lord. Yes, I will follow you, Lord Jesus. I believe you can give me the power to live a holy and godly life. Have you made that commitment? Have you made that decision yet? It can happen in different ways. For Shamar, it happened on the potty. For others, it has happened around the altar. For others, it has happened at a bedside praying with a parent. For others, it has happened at a a camp meeting. For others, in a Sunday morning service. But for you today, it can be as you receive the elements, the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can receive today. And for those who are already followers of Christ, may it be a recommitment. These actions you can take, these remembrances, a recommitment to follow Christ. Some of you are in the midst of great struggles. Some of you are in the midst of great seasons of joy. Praising God that the semester is almost over. Some of you have made some poor choices. I'm not thinking of anyone specifically, but I just know a community this large, there are, there are those here that are regretting some choices and decisions that they have made. Before we receive the elements, we'll do a prayer silently, beyond words, a prayer of confession for you to confess your sins to the Lord and then receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And after we receive, after we receive, we'll sing a hymn together. But before you take those elements... After you pray your prayer of confession, I'm going to say this. 
And it's a promise of God that I... <laughs> I was going to say that I'd like to get tattooed, but my wife is here and that, that's not a good illustration to get. But, uh, so I won't do that. But something that can remind you and remind me that as you pray that prayer of confession, after I say amen, I'll say, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. You see, some of you have a hard time receiving God's forgiveness because you haven't forgiven yourself. And I'm going to let you know that as before we take those elements to remember because of what Christ has done for us on the cross, that when we stop and pray a prayer of confession, you are forgiven. Live in that forgiveness. Live in that grace. Live in that peace. A decision to follow Christ a recommitment to follow Christ. Or maybe for some of you, it'll just be, and not just, but a beautiful reminder of Christ's love for you. I've asked our basketball team, men and women's basketball team, to help me serve the communion elements today, if they could come forward at this time. The Lord himself has ordained his holy sacrament. He commanded his disciples to partake of the bread and wine emblems of his broken body and shed blood. This is his table. The feast is for his disciples. Let all those who have with true repentance forsaken their sins and have believed in Christ unto salvation draw near and take these emblems and by faith partake of the life of Jesus Christ to your soul's comfort and joy. Let us remember that it is the memorial of the death and passion of our Lord, also a token of his coming again. Let us not forget that we are one at one table with the Lord. I'm very proud of the basketball teams for being willing to help serve today. And so as the tray goes by, just, there'll be a little cup and a little wafer in the middle. Just take the cup and the wafer and just hold on to that. And then at the end, we'll partake together. And I also want to say this. I know we come from many different denominations and different traditions. Um, we believe that this is the Lord's table. It is not our table. So it is not for me as chaplain to say who can come and who cannot. All are welcome at the table of our Lord. And by partaking of these elements, you do not join the Church of the Nazarene or commit to attending college here if you're visiting or anything like that. You just receive symbols of the body and blood of Christ. So I hope you can worship with us as we remember Christ dying for us.
Will you please stand? Let us pray. And in a silence beyond words, in a prayer simply between you and our Lord, know that the Lord is here. Know that he hears the prayers of your heart. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what you may be carrying this day, know the Lord hears the prayers of our hearts. So in a silence beyond words, lift your prayers, your praise, and your confessions to the Lord this morning. Now hear and receive this truth that I speak on the authority of God's word. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. Now, Heavenly Father, I pray for this community, for everyone in here this morning, if they are struggling to receive and accept and live into that forgiveness. I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you break through that. And may they live in your grace and forgiveness. And give them the power to live a holy life that you've promised us. We pray these things now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was broken for you, preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Take and eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you, preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for you, and be forever thankful. Heavenly Father, may we live into that life of holiness by your power and by your grace. Amen. Before we go, we are going to sing a hymn, a hymn that we sang at the beginning of the semester. A hymn, Amazing Grace, that has been sung almost probably in every country, every denomination, every tradition. And I tried to get the bagpipist that played for us at the beginning of the semester, but he was not available. But he is not the only bagpiper in town. So let us stand and we will sing Amazing Grace this morning. How sweet the 
Can you thank Amy for us this morning? <clears throat> go in peace to love God and serve others. You are dismissed, and Amy will play for us as we go into this weekend.